subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Opinion Line. Corks 96 FM. Sinead, good morning and welcome. Thanks for coming in. No worries. This has been a difficult few days, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to say the least, you know. Mm. Both me and Nicola's family are drained, we're exhausted, we're being... Not that we'd ever recover from the trauma that faced us in 2002, but we're being re-traumatised all over again. Mm. It's, um, it's. I mean, I feel like I've been in shock in some sense for the last three months since the news that we reported on primetime came to me. Yeah. It's, it's very hard to get my head around what's been going on. How did you hear about the day release? Um, Nicola's parents rang me and asked me to come over for a chat at the end of June. Right. And that's when it first came to me about the day releases. Mm. And do after you, that, it took away... Do you away see them regularly? Or would I haven't be... seen them for a few years. I do see them very regularly now. Yeah. Um, you know, mm. it's, uh, it's harrowing, harrowing to... To, I mean, we could never understand what they have gone through as a family, what they have lost. We'll, we'll never understand that, you know. Yeah, yeah. You lost a fair, a fair bit yourself that night, and mm-hmm. we'll talk about it in a while. But again, finding out through them that this guy was now coming out on day release. Now, the, the prison service and the authorities all tried to tell us, you know, he's coming out escorted by prison officers. He's not let out of their sight for two minutes. He, it's very strict. It's very regulated. It's very regimented. Does that change anything? No, no, of course not, because Peter Whelan has a goal in mind, which he's had from day one, which is to get out. Do you know, there's been so many appeals. I mean, he even, even when he went to the European court in 2010 is when his application was put through. He hadn't even began to serve his life sentence yet, and he was already appealing that sentence. So I don't believe he is going to step a foot out of line on any of the, those releases. He knows what he's doing. He's yeah. he's working to get out, you know. Yeah. Now, the most shocking element of it, and I brought this up when Barry Cummins was on the air with me on Thursday in advance of the programme. Even under the old law, mm-hmm. Peter Whelan should not even be entitled to see a parole board until 2020. And yet, he has now been 
promised three monthly day releases. This is where the questions start to be asked, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I still, I mean, although now I'm in contact with the prison liaison and have been for the last few weeks, so I was warned about the last release, the, the three monthly thing has still yet to have been confirmed to me. So I'm still being misled there and yeah. in the dark yet about that aspect of well, things. Barry seemed to have it confirmed for the programme. Yeah, it was. Know. No, it, it, but it's yeah. it's been confirmed to Nicola's family, but not to me at this yeah. point still, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, those are where the questions need to be start to be asked. Though, how is he getting these when he shouldn't be entitled to them until next year? Well, that's what I don't understand. So, when this news came to me, I would have been under the impression that Peter Whelan, given that it was seventeen years at this point, was only two years into a life sentence. Mm. Obviously, it's come to me now that he got remission, and I wasn't informed about that either. And we're hearing now that he's been up with the parole board several times. I should have been informed all along the way so I could have submitted victim impact statements, which of course I would have. Mm. And those all, all those opportunities have been denied. And it, it, oh, it just, I got so confused and I just felt this huge distrust as to what is really going on here. Why is this information being hidden from both me and Nicola's family? What's, mm. what's the bigger picture here? What's happening? Why is this prisoner being given special treatment here? I, I don't understand what's mm why these decisions have been made. Yeah, that's a very difficult position for you to be in, having mm-hmm. no notion why this is happening. Yeah. And nobody will tell you either. Yeah, and I still don't know. Still don't know. You know, it's... Um, it's Like, who can, of whom can you ask questions about this? Um, I mean, initially, when I first found out, obviously my first port of call was the guards and trying to get information there. But it's, it's nothing to do with the guards. It's the prison service mm. and the parole board. And Charlie Flanagan, that's... Yeah, that's who's making these decisions, you know. Because I understand that the, not even the guards are entitled to know. No, they're not. Well, that's the that's what I've been told. They're not in order to protect the prisoner when they are eventually released, in case there could have been an existing grudge from a guard or whatever the case may be. That the guards in the area may not even be. Yeah, I know. It's shocking, shocking. Yeah. What what, yeah. what listeners can't see is that. Sinead has, are, has just seen my eyes roll so far up that I can, I can see the ceiling. The guards are not entitled to know in case there'd be a grudge against Yes, them. yes. Mm-hmm. This man stabbed your best friend to death mm-hmm. and tried to slash you to death. Yes, and returned to the scene of the crime a few minutes and later. And pretended to be a concerned neighbour. Yes. And I mean, even leading up to the night that he murdered Nicola... He had attacked two girls on New Year's Eve, a very violent, vicious attack where he was overpowered by other men that were there. And he went away into a rehab centre for three months, acted like a model person there, came out. And within two weeks, Nicola was dead after receiving his summons to be punished for that crime. And the guards are not entitled to know that he's out in case they'd have a grudge against him. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, we have to look at the case... This is this is a deeply disturbed individual. There has never been accountability or any sense of remorse mm. or responsibility here. The appeals came from day one. I mean, I remember having, I mean, he was pleading guilt, not guilty for eight months. And then it was guilty. And I remember having to face him in the court with the same arrogance that you saw on that footage. I had to stand in court in front of him and deliver my victim impact statement in front of him as he and... You know, this person isn't sitting in prison getting the, you know, he's he's sitting there trying to get out and working always towards getting out and not serving the sentence. Mm. 
he is still insisting. How the, I mean, how the hell he can insist on innocence, but he still does claim innocence, doesn't he? I mean, it's uh, he just doesn't feel he should be serving the time for the crime. Clearly, it's yeah. yeah. It's 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 um it's it's baffling stuff. Again, something that we've we've learnt with regard to these releases under the law. Uh, th- there's these are signed off not by a prison officer, not by uh, some departmental official. These have to have the signature of C. Flanagan on the bottom of them, and those are th- those are where you really want to start asking questions. Yeah, and at the moment, you know, you you see the statement that he's released after the primetime documentary and we're kind of in a way Nicholas family and I are, are being accused of kind of conflating the temporary release and the parole but if you look at the purpose of temporary release according to the criminal justice act is a to assess a person's ability to reintegrate into society and release prepare a prisoner for release and the other option would be to help with an investigation. He's not helping with an investigation ongoing every three months. They're preparing him for release for this next parole hearing. They're testing the waters so they can have all this put together from the last, it would be the last year and a half of him being out. Mm. Do you know, that that's what's going on. We're being misled again by him by saying that we're kind of jumping the gun here by thinking he will get parole or... You know, you'd, you'd wonder, like, why, first of all, why that is the case. Secondly, why why the seven years isn't applying mm-hmm. in, in, in this case. There are so many questions here that are unanswered. I just don't know. I mean, why the late Judge Carney's sentence isn't being upheld, I don't yes. understand. Because, but, again, you to, know? to remind listeners what happened with that, even though we've been over it a few times, Judge Carney sentenced him to consecutive sentences, life and then the 15 years for the for, for the mm-hmm. attempted murder of yourself. And all that happened in the appeal court was Judge Hardiman, who's also not with us anymore, reversed the, the order of the two. That is all that was done. So, in actual fact, that was probably even better. Mm-hmm. It was probably even tougher on him because the, he had to serve the, the, the 15 years first, for which he got, obviously, released for good behaviour and all that kind of thing. But then he starts the life sentence in 20. 13, which means he shouldn't be even eligible to apply until 2020. You have to ask... You, you, the, what what have been going through your mind in terms of the last couple of months when you try to put it, put your head or put the stuff around your head and see... How, can you make any sense of it at all is what I'm trying to ask you. No, I, t- I mean... It's just, I remember actually there's this, this Shakespeare quote that I used to love in Hamlet that, that there's something rotten in the state of Denmark was the first thing that just came into my mind because I'm like, there's something, there has to be something corrupt going on here. What is it? Is this to do with money, cutting corners? Our prisons are overpopulated. We have a lot more lifers than most countries in Europe. Mm. So is it just, oh look, this prisoner's ticked the boxes. He's been here so long. We're, we're just trying to get them out the door. I mean, without actually really taking care and concern for individual cases because this is a very special case we're dealing with a psychopath you know there's mm. and in order to rehabilitate a psychopath we don't have the means in our prisons here i mean there was a report in 2015 from a psychological aspect uh, we're understaffed in that in that regard um it's very low pay it's clear what the prison service itself doesn't put much importance on the psychological aspect of rehabilitation When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sinead, I guess as a teenager, spending time and doing all the things that teenagers do with your best friend, you never once thought that you'd be sitting in a radio studio all these years later, discussing the ins and outs of the criminal justice system. What were you like as pals? What kind of mates were you? Um, we, well, me and Nicola both had um, funny English accents, is how we met, because we, um, we were both exempt from Irish, so we made friends in the study at school. And Nicola was just, Nicola was always fun. Do you know what I mean? She always had a smile on her face. She was always the person that you first wanted to go to and chat. She was just so bubbly and so full of life all the time. We'd just always be going around giggling, do you know, just just everything was always lighthearted yeah. with Nicola. Were you, were you the kind of two kids that, oh, geez, they're thick as thieves, the two of them. Yeah, they're, they're, they're bonded Yeah, I remember hip. us getting, <laughs> getting a little bit of warning in our, in our Leaving Cert art exam that we had to keep the noise down because um, we were chatting away in the middle of our exam, of course, mm. um, kind of thing. We both had a lot of similar interests. We loved animals so much and mm. had such compassion for nature and things like mm. that. So, what, kind, what kind of plans did you have for your lives? We actually really didn't even discuss that. We were just, we were so young. We were just mm. so in the moment of, of, of being 19, 20, yeah. you know, and yeah. just enjoying that part of life. Sharing everything that 19, makeup, yeah. clothes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, discussing whether any particular boyfriend was worth having or anything. Yeah, like that. yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know. Music, movies. Yeah, yeah all you know, kind of thing. and Nicola used to work in Brown. I remember Nicola getting me a job for a while in Brown. She worked in Brown Thomas Cafe, but I don't think I was that great at it. I don't <laughs> think I lasted that long, but, but Nicola was great. <laughs> she she did well when she worked there. Yeah, yeah. And when you look back, and you've, you've unfortunately had to do a lot of looking back in the last while. When mm-hmm. you look back and you think of what might have been, 
How do you process that? In what sense? What might in have that been? If this horrible change hadn't come, what might have what might have been the future? What might have been the future yeah. for, 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 for the two of you? you know, yeah, I, it's really it's it's really difficult now, especially you know when we're watching the documentary and seeing all that beautiful footage of Nicola and. You know, as you get older and the years go on and you see your friends and everyone moving on and having families and, you know, things and you wonder what Nicola would have been like as a mother and which would have been a fantastic mother. And, you know, it's hard to see how much of her life was taken. She only was able to live a very small percentage of her life. You know, her life was just beginning. I mean, even looking at the footage of myself the other night, I was I was a child. I looked so young when that happened. Like we were we were. We were kids. We were children, like mm. you know. Yeah, we got a, an, an insight into, and I remember seeing it at the time: the, the, the immense pain in Nicola's parents' mm-hmm. faces. And the other night, again, watching particularly her mom, they're, they're such beautiful human beings, yeah. and their lives have been mm-hmm. so terribly torn apart by this. How have your own family been? How have you been? I mean, the, the, the ripple effects of a crime like this just go on and on and on. It's been extremely difficult for obviously the Sweeney's above anyone. It's shocking. What's the, the it's harrowing? Mm. I, you know, my own family. It's really difficult. I mean, it, we're still. Dealing with this trauma, we're all being re-traumatized again. When it happened, everyone was focusing on just making sure I got physically better and mm. through it and just trying to get through the day. And now everyone's reliving it all over again. Mm. Everyone's afraid all over again. Afraid for everyone that someone as deeply disturbed as Peter Whelan could be back on our streets, you know. Would you be fearful of the fact that if he was walking around, would you be would you be actual have actual fear yourself? Um you know, you with you things like that you, and trauma, you've got to try and put rational thought on it. But then you're trying to put rational thought on an irrational human being. So you have to be open to, you know, you kind of have to be aware that maybe you should be afraid. Yeah. You know, this is an unremorseful killer who hasn't taken any accountability himself. I'm sure on some level, me among other people or who he holds responsible for being in prison me and Nicholas family are now forced to put ourselves on national coverage, putting up a roadblock block to his release. Yeah. Like, who knows what's going on in his mind, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think I'd be very foolish not to be afraid. Yeah, Sean said on Friday uh, on the air here, he said that he would feel like he had to look over his shoulder every day uh, if he knew that that, that that Whelan was out. I asked him, did he feel he'd be in danger? And he said he did. He, he would. Would you think you'd be in danger if Whelan was on the street? Yes, definitely. I mean, initially when I heard this news a few months ago, I, I'd, I'd lived away in Costa Rica for many years. It was like, and I'd just come back to Cork four years ago, finally felt... Do you know that I, I felt safe and secure and was really starting to live a life again? Yeah. And immediately when I heard that, I was like, oh, my God, I have to leave. I actually have to leave. And then, you know, I have family in Spain. I was like, I mean, he could, he when he's out on license, he can travel wherever he wants. But maybe I'll just, ha- I, I'll have to leave. I'll have to pick up and leave, leave my family, my friends, my support network and leave everything behind because I'm life. not being protected here. Yeah. You made you another know? life outside Ireland for a few years. And yes, you felt, I did. You felt yeah. it was safe enough to come back. Is that what it, what it was? Yeah, well, I suppose I'd, you know, I had to think, I had to really try and live life for myself 
and find out how I felt in other other environments to kind of push myself and push my boundaries mm. to feel comfortable again. Yeah. Even at being alone, being in a house alone, walking around alone, all these things. So mm. my traveling was more trying to um, heal myself in that manner. Yeah. Was it was it kind of that you could go to? You see, you, you mentioned Costa Rica, you know, and living a, lo- a place where, you know, I'm not going to meet anybody today who's going to ask me about yeah that. definitely yeah. because you need to kind of work on your own trauma outside yeah. because of, of everyone else's even here I remember when I was in university here after it happened finding it so difficult with all the media coverage at the time and things and that I just I just wasn't able for it you know I just mm. just wanted to be alone yeah. you know and and if he were to be and like you said they clearly are preparing to let him out. Yes, clearly. We're being misled. I mean, they are, you know. And and if he comes out, you feel you'll have to leave. Yeah, yeah. How could I, I mean, live my daily life knowing someone of that nature who wouldn't have had any rehabilitation in any sense because they've never had any acceptance or responsibility for what they've done. They're arrogantly walking around. Even the fact that he's on these day releases, he's been coming back to Cork. He doesn't care what he did here. Do you know? Mm. It's terribly unfair that you should be put in a position mm-hmm. to have to feel that way. Yeah, and to put myself on my face back out there again. And Nicholas' family, we have to do that all back out there again. We're making ourselves so vulnerable with what we're doing at the moment. It's, it's highly traumatic what's, mm. what's going on. Like when the idea of the documentary uh, was first put to you, um, how did you feel? Um, were, you, were you nervous about reopening it all? Yeah, of course. And I was resistant as well, initially, because the last thing I want to do is be on prime time. Speaking on, you know, who wants to be doing that? Do you know, this wasn't in the script for your yeah, life. No. You know, oh. but then I do. I know I'm the surviving witness of what happened. I, my account is very important and it was something that people need to hear. Because yeah. I think an aspect as well at the time, I know it was highly covered because we didn't have a big drawn out trial. The real facts of what happened that night kind of got lost along the way. And it was important for people to really understand what happened in Nicola's home that night and what Peter Whelan is capable of. Yeah. And, and that recounting that you did for the for the show and I'm not going to ask you to go through it again I wouldn't do that um, that was something that we never as ordinary citizens we generally don't get an eyewitness account like mm-hmm. that recalling it and putting it together in the narrative for the television show that must have been very hard yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it was and it, I mean it's a very intense intimidating situation as well because I've always been able to talk about what happened to me and Nicola in a casual setting with everyone. That's never been a problem for me. But such a, an intense setting with cameras, lightings, knowing this message is going out there and you're telling the world what happened to you, Nicola. Mm. If Charlie Flanagan is listening or anyone close to him is listening to this kind of thing and we we kind of know he monitors this program because two and a half weeks ago he refused us an interview when we were talking about crime in the local area so we, we reckon he figures he knows what we do here if the minister is listening to programs like this to, if he was watching the documentary I expected to be honest that when the film piece was over he'd be sitting opposite 
David McCullough answering mm-hmm. questions. I thought he'll at least get grilled in studio over this. What would you like to ask him if he could hear you now? Oh, so many questions. I mean, first and foremost, I'd like to know why in the parole hearings in the past, me and Nicola's family have been denied the opportunity to submit victim impact statements, which are highly important at those hearings. Why has that happened? Why have we been misled? He's, they've, they've met with him and he's, he's again misled them. And why he thinks that this prisoner is ready for release because that's what he's doing here. So mm. why? Do you ever think you'll get answers? Do you ever think he'll meet you face to face? No, I don't think so. No, <laughs> no. All right. Listen, you're you're a, you're a brave you're a brave woman, and it's for someone who's had to handle reliving all of this again. I know you were nervous coming in here, but you've done a great job, and thank you thank very you. much for doing this. All right, that's Sinead O'Leary. Corks ninety six FM. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media? Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 